0: The following sermon is presented by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. And let's go to God's Word together this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We want to continue in our series that we have begun just last week entitled The Marks of a Healthy Church Member and we're taking a break from our study of the book of Romans. If you've been with us recently, you know that we just spent 10 months in the book of Romans, and we got through chapter 4, and so we're taking a short break over the summertime just to address some other issues and topics, and we'll return to our study of Romans in September. But for a short time this summer, we want to take some time to look at the marks of a healthy church member. We want to talk about the part that you and I play in helping our churches become the kind of churches that God has called them to be and wants them to be and desires them to be. So we're looking at the part that you and I play as, as members, as participants in the local church. What does a healthy church member look like in light of the Scripture? What, what does this person characterized by? What do they look like? What are some of the traits or the qualities of someone who might be defined as a healthy church member or participant? Our conviction is that there are no such thing, or there should be no such thing as church spectators, people who just come and kind of watch and peruse and look from the outside. But God's desire for all believers is to be integrally involved into the life of the church. And because that's the case, God desires them to manifest certain qualities that would demonstrate the marks of a healthy church member. Our assumption as we begin this series last week is that healthy churches are comprised of healthy church members. We said last week that the church is not a building. The church is people. And so if we want a healthy church, what's essential to a healthy church are healthy believers, healthy uh, individuals who comprise the body of Christ. And so we're looking at our obligations, our responsibilities, and our expectations as it comes to our participation in the local church. We began last week by looking at Mark number one. Mark number one was that healthy church members have a deep love for the bride of Christ. Healthy church members love the church. They love the church. They love the body of Christ. They love the bride of Christ. They're not just kind of fringe spectators from the outside. No, they are involved. They're participating. They're engaged because they love the church. And we said last week that they love the church for a number of reasons. They love the church because Christ promised to build it, and Christ died for it, and the glory of Christ is manifest in the church, and the means to our sanctification and growth is through the church, through the local church. And so, we as believers love the church. In fact, we said last week that to love Jesus Christ is to love His church. You can't say, well, I love Jesus, but you know, the local church is kind of a nuisance or an annoyance to me. We can't say that because to love Christ is to love the bride that he died for and purchased with his own blood. It's not a perfect place. This is not a perfect place. Uh, this church and all churches manifest the flaws that that are inherent in the people that comprise them. So we're not a a perfect entity, the church is, but, but it's the bride of Christ nonetheless. And so what makes a church a special place is that it's Christ's church. And because we love Christ, we love His church. Well, that was last week. Today I want to give you a second mark of a healthy church member. The second mark of a healthy church member is that they have an insatiable hunger for the Word of God. They have an insatiable hunger, an insatiable appetite for the Scriptures, for the Word of God. They have a reverence for the Word of God. They have a love for the Scriptures. They have a love for the truth of God's Word. They have within them a longing to be part of the church, which is governed by the Word of God, and they want to hear the Word preached. They're not there to be entertained. They're not there to be awed by certain performances. They're there because they want to be fed. They're there because they want to be equipped. They're there because they want to be taught the scriptures. They want to be there because they want to hear from the Lord speak from his scriptures. We believe God speaks today, but not in an audible voice and not in an inner voice. He speaks through the word of God. He speaks through the preached, proclaimed, and read word of God. That's where we hear him speak. And so the mark of a healthy church member is they come to the the church to hear God speak through his word. They love biblical preaching. They want the Bible unpacked for them every Sunday. They want the explanation, illustration, application of the Word of God. They love large doses of biblical exposition. And I think that's the mark of a healthy church member. And I think we see that throughout the New Testament. We see in the pages of Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, marks of people who who truly love the Scriptures. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter 2, when the church is born... Peter stands up and he preaches a, a spirit-empowered message. He preaches the gospel. He preaches Christ to to all the people that were gathered in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And they were so pierced to their hearts as they heard his preaching. They cried out and said, "What shall we do?" And Peter says, "As you know, repent and be baptized." And then Acts 2:41 and 42 say this. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayer. The early church was marked by a love for the Scriptures. They met together, they they gathered together to hear the apostles teach the Word of God. That's what compelled them, that's what drove them, that's what they longed for was the proclamation of the truth through the apostles. Acts chapter 13 Paul, on his first missionary journey, he has been sent out by the church at Antioch. He's going out into the regions of Galatia and Ephesus and all those areas. And he comes to a city by the name of Pisidian Antioch. And he he there likewise preaches the gospel just like Peter did back in Acts chapter 2. And verse 32 or 42 of Acts chapter 13 says, Paul and Barnabas were going out and the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. They were begging they were pleading, Paul, come back, be back with us, we want to hear God's truth, be back with us, we're begging you and pleading with you to come and proclaim to us the Word of God. That's what we see all through in the early church. This morning we just read from Acts chapter 17, the church in Thessalonica, in Berea actually, they were there, and did you catch what was read Verse 11, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They received the word with eagerness, with joy, with all eagerness, with all expectation, with all anticipation. They were so eager to hear the word preached that they couldn't help but opening the scriptures and look to see if what those things were said were true. In the church at Thessalonica, we see a similar example to that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes to them and says, For this reason also we thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. And so Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he commends them for the fact that they received from Paul not the word of man, but the word of God. They were marked By a love for the truth. I would wonder this morning is that your heart? Do you have that same longing? Do you have that same desire? Are you marked by that that same conviction of a hunger and an appetite for the preached word of God? I believe that in the healthy church member, they, they have that conviction because they understand that spiritual maturity is tied directly to biblical knowledge. That spiritual maturity is tied directly to, and it will never exceed their knowledge of the Scriptures. And so in the heart of a healthy church member, there is a desire to gain a greater understanding of the Word of God, to go deeper into the truths of the Scripture, so that it promotes spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Because spiritual growth is tied inseparably to the depth of our understanding of the Word of God. And so a shallow understanding will result in shallow maturity, a deep understanding of the Word of God will promote great spiritual growth and great spiritual maturity. And so in the heart of a healthy church member, there is a conviction that the Word is the source of all their life and all their health and all their spiritual growth. And so it's my conviction that the preaching and teaching ministry in the, in, in the local church is a joint endeavor. It's a joint endeavor. That on the one hand, God has called me, this church, and others who stand in this pulpit and preach to, to proclaim boldly the Word of God, to say clearly what the Word of God says, to say, thus says the Lord with authority and power, not because we have authority, but because the Word has authority. But you have an obligation it's a joint endeavor. You have a responsibility to, to have a hunger for this Word and to listen to this Word preached and to apply this Word. And so there's this joint venture that goes on in the proclamation of the Word of God in the life of a local church. And so on one hand, it's the elders' and the pastor's responsibility to ensure that the church is a place where the Word of God is clearly preached. That's our responsibility as church leaders, and we've committed ourselves to that here, we, as you know, believe in expository preaching. We're committed to that process of, of letting the Word of God speak for itself, of letting the truth of the Scriptures just be exposed because there's power in the Word of God. And so our aim and our desire here is, as pastors and elders, is just to uncover the authorial intent of the Scriptures, to just just let the word of god be released in its power to proclaim it in its context that's what expository preaching is it is the conviction that the word of god speaks for itself And our job is to explain it, our job is to articulate it in its context, in its setting, in the heart of the the author, in its historical context, and then we cross the bridge from the historical setting to the cultural setting today, and we apply that word to us today. This is expository preaching, it serves the word. It enables the Word of God to to preach itself. It presumes a belief in the authority of Scripture that the Bible actually is the Word of God, and we're called to submit ourselves to it. And so our call as elders and pastors is to unleash the power of the Word through the preaching of the Word. That's what we do on a week-by-week basis. We're committed to that here. Verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter. The reason for that is I have no authority in myself. You understand that? I have no authority. The Word has all authority. And so our desire is to let the Word of God speak for itself. So that's our responsibility as pastors and elders is to ensure that that's taking place in this church. But you have a responsibility as well. And in the heart of a healthy church member, there is a desire to engage with the Word and to listen to the Word and to be actively uh, responsible for uh, participating in the proclamation of the Word of God. And so we could say this, that expository preaching demands expository listening that if we're going to proclaim the Scriptures in an expository sense, then you as a church have an obligation to listen and engage and participate in the proclamation of that Word. It's not just about hearing the Word. That's easy. All you have to do is be able to hear. That's pretty easy. That's passive. But to engage with the Word of God, that takes some more effort. That takes some, some work. That takes some diligence on the part of the listener. And so listening to the Word of God requires A partnership with the preacher. It's not just the job of the preacher to stand up and and say things and that's it. No, the the, the responsibility is a joint endeavor. There's a participation between preacher and body all together. It's not just a one-sided endeavor. It is a joint effort as together we hear from the Word of God. It's kind of like a pitcher and a catcher. You're not going to have a pitcher without a catcher. You're not going to have a catcher without a pitcher. You need both so we pitch the Word of God, you catch the Word of God, and through that there is a responsibility that is engaged in in understanding what God's Word says. I want to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 4 to help us maybe understand and appreciate this, this relationship between body and preaching. It's a passage I know you're familiar with, we preached from it before, I know you're familiar with it, and it is a text that is clearly known as Paul's commands to Timothy on how he is to preach and what he's to do. You'll remember that 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. He was days, maybe weeks, maybe days away from his death at the hands of Nero. He knew that his death was coming. He knew that there was an impending death sentence hanging over his head. He was in chains in Rome in a prison. He's by himself. And he writes one last letter to his son in the faith, his spiritual child, Timothy, the man who had become really dear to him, the man who who he really has invested his life into. This is his spiritual son, and he gives him some instructions here on what it means to be a pastor. I want you to listen. Let me read verses 1 to 8, and we'll just look at verses 1 to 4. Paul says this, "'I solemnly charge you in the presence of God.'" And of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths but you, be sober in all things, and do her hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, and in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved His appearing." This is a, an apostle's admonition to his pastoral protege on how to conduct himself as a pastor. But I believe inherent within this text are implicit principles for a church and how they are to engage the proclamation of the Word. So, what you have here, you have an accurate understanding and description here of the pastoral obligation and responsibility to preach the Word, but out of that flows an understanding of how the church itself is to receive that Word. It's an implicit understanding of of the responsibility of the local church in having an appetite for the Word of God. So, I want to give you this morning some reasons, four reasons why Healthy church members have an insatiable hunger for the Word of God. Okay, I want to give you those four reasons why healthy church members have an insatiable hunger or insatiable appetite for the Word of God. Okay, first, number one, is because pastors are commanded to preach the Word. This is principle number one. I see it, we, can, we can see it here clearly in, in the text. Paul has given Timothy some very clear instructions, some very clear obligations. He, he tells them in this text about his pastoral responsibilities. And yet, if we understand those properly, that the job of a pastor is described here, implicit within this description is the responsibility of the church body then to receive those instructions. So let's look at this. Paul writes in verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Now, stop right there. Paul here is giving Timothy a serious charge. I mean this this is a weighty obligation. This comes with a, a solemn charge and to, to communicate the gravity with which Paul is communicating these instructions to Timothy, he actually gives him three levels of accountability. I, that's Paul, the accountability of Paul, solemnly charge you in the presence of God, that's the accountability of God the Father, and of Christ Jesus. That's the accountability of God the Son. It's as if Paul here wants Timothy to understand that he was standing before the very throne of God and that his pastoral obligations are being conducted before the very presence of God, in the presence of God the Father and God the Son, and they're listening and watching what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is a huge accountability. accountability of Paul, the accountability of God, the accountability of Christ. And specifically, verse 1 says, Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. That's some serious accountability, right? Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead. This is Christ. He is the one who has been entrusted with the power of judgment from the Father to the Son. He is the one who will... Cause all things to be judged one day, and every preacher will be judged based on how he handles the word of God. This is a serious accountability. James 3 1, verse verse 1 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Pastoral responsibilities come with serious obligations and with serious responsibilities and I feel that. I feel that every week. I feel the weight of the responsibility of standing, as it were, in the gap between the Lord and you, and to be able to represent the Word of God accurately, I I feel the weight of that. And so, there's a sense in which every Sunday we're preaching for an audience of one, just one, God. So there is then within this, this this sense of solemnity and this gravitas that comes with the pastoral office, and a healthy church member recognizes this, that with the proclamation of the Word of God, there is a serious weight, there's a solemn charge resting on anyone who preaches the Word of God, and they know that this is important, and they know this is crucial, and because of that serious weight within the heart of every healthy church member, there is a sense of weightiness when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God. Verse 2, it's a very simple mandate. Paul says to Timothy, preach the Word. In light of this accountability, this accountability of myself, Paul, and God, and Christ, in light of the fact that Christ will one day judge all people, including all who handle His Word, in light of those serious obligations, then, Timothy, you preach the Word. Not your opinions, not your interests, not your favorite topics, not the things that you want to preach on. You, you preach the Word, you proclaim it. The idea there with the word preach or proclaim, K. Russo, is to, to proclaim as a herald to say what the word of God says, to be the messenger of the king. You know what a herald is? They they go forth and they, they speak forth the message of the king. They don't change the message. They don't add their own message. They just go forth and they preach the message or they say the thing that the king has given them to say. And that's exactly what faithful pastors do. They go and they stand before the people and they say, this is what the word of God says. So the purpose of preaching is not that the preacher be heard, but that the text of scripture be heard. The purpose of preaching is not to impress people, but to impress upon the hearts of people the truth of the Scriptures. And so the job of all preaching is to let the text speak, to let the Word of God speak. So Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, your preaching ought to explain the Scriptures, the content, the substance of what forms the foundation of your preaching, Timothy, is the Word of God. And maybe Timothy was a little timid. Maybe he was young. Maybe he was fearful. Maybe he was a little reserved. Maybe he was the kind of man who needed some encouragement. He's facing a difficult task as a teacher, a preacher in Ephesus where there were false teachers. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got to do it. You're responsible. Be a man, step up, and preach the Word. Why is this important to you? It's important to you because if pastors are given the solemn charge of preaching forth the Word of God, then certainly to those to whom the Word is preached have to listen. They want to listen. And their hearts are engaged and they want to participate in the proclamation of the Word of God because they understand the serious obligation that comes with the proclamation of the truth of Scripture. It is a weighty task. And so the implication for a healthy church member is that if that's a weighty responsibility for the preacher, then it's important for me to listen. It's an equally pressing task. Responsibility for me to be a part of this, for me to engage in this, for me to participate in this? We could say that preaching the Word is an empty effort if no one hears and assimilates the message. What's the point of preaching if there's no one to hear? What's the point of preaching if there's no one to engage it? What if the, What's the point of preaching if there's no one willing to listen and follow it and put it into practice and, and allow the Word of God to transform their hearts? And so there's a partnership between preacher, and listener so that the Word of God accomplishes its purpose in the transformation of lives. So healthy church members, they love the proclamation of the Word. Because they understand the weightiness of the obligation and the responsibility. So we could say that there may be like the, the good soil and the parable of the soils. Remember Matthew chapter 13, there are four kinds of soil. And, and the healthy church member is like the last one where when the word is preached, they receive it. Their hearts are open, they're tender, they're, they're soft-hearted to the word of God. And they embrace it and it transforms them and it bears much fruit in their life. This is what healthy church members are like. J.I. Packer says this, he says, quote, they know that congregations never honor God more than by reverently listening to his word with a full purpose of praising and obeying him once they see what he has done and is doing and what they are called to do. Healthy church members understand that. They understand that they never honor God more than by reverently listening to his word. So this is one of the, reasons that healthy church members have an insatiable hunger and desire for the truth of Scripture because they know that there is a serious obligation. And when the Word of God is preached, God is speaking. God is telling us what He wants us to know. God is, is telling us from the pages of Scripture exactly the truths of, that we need to hear. So, pastors are commanded to preach the Word. There's a second reason that we need to understand the importance of having a hunger for the Word of God. It's number two, because the proclamation of the Word is never irrelevant. The proclamation of the Word is never irrelevant. It's never outdated. It's never outmoded. It's never ineffective. The proclamation of the Word of God is never irrelevant. Go with me to verse 2. Paul says, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. The word be ready carries the idea of urgency, of preparedness, of readiness, like a a soldier that's ready to go march against the enemy, to go into battle at a moment's notice. This is the mark of of someone who's ready. They're, They're standing guard. They're at the moment's notice, ready to engage. Paul says to Timothy, you've got to make sure, Timothy, that you are ready to preach the word in season, and out of season. What does that mean? Eukarios and akarios. When it's good timing, when it's not good timing. When it's opportune, when it's not opportune. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. When it's seasonable, when it's not seasonable. When there's an opportunity, when there's no opportunity. The bottom line is Paul tells Timothy, you've got to be ready to preach the word at all times. Even when it's not popular, even when it's not acceptable, even when it's not welcomed, even when it's not legal, even when it seems there's little fruit, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient, it's the mark of a healthy church to boldly, unashamedly stand before his people and say, thus says the Lord. R.L. Dabney, in his book, Evangelical Eloquence, he says this, he says, "...the preacher's task may be correctly explained as that of forming the image of Christ upon the souls of men. The plastic substance is the human heart, the dye which is provided for the workman is the revealed Word, and the impression to be formed is the divine image of knowledge and holiness." The preacher's business is to take what is given him in the Scriptures as it is given to him and to endeavor to imprint it upon the souls of men. End quote. That's what we do. We preach in such a way that we imprint upon the souls of men the divine image in the pages of Scripture. So, in the heart of a healthy church member, There's the desire to place themselves under the Word of God when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, when it's seasonable and unseasonable, when it works in their schedule, when it doesn't work in their schedule. Bottom line, it doesn't matter. They're there. They're committed to the proclamation of the Word of God because they understand that it is crucial to their own sanctification. And so if a preacher's obligation is to be ready to proclaim the Word at any moment, at any time, at any season, at any occasion, then a listener's responsibility, likewise, is to place themselves in a position where they're in the way of truth, whether it's desirable or undesirable, fashionable or unfashionable. They understand the power of the Word. They understand that within the Word of God, there's something that that produces life and transformation, and it comes with the power of God. And because of that, they want to place themselves under a steady diet of the Word of God. Does that describe you? Does that mark you? Number three, there's a third reason that healthy church members will have an insatiable hunger for the Word of God. Number three is because the Word of God has the power to transform. The Word of God has the power to transform to transform. Inherent within the scriptures themselves are the power of God to bring about life, to transform life, to to bring about change, to bring about sanctification because the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and it is able to sanctify and grow and reveal what's really in our hearts. And so the Word of God has the power to completely transform a life. You can see it in verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. See what Paul says to Timothy? Timothy, you got to make sure that when, when you preach the word, you are reproving with the word, you are rebuking with the word, and you are exhorting with the word. And you can see there's a the negative connotation to some of this, and there's a positive connotation to some of this. So, sometimes a a preacher will reprove and rebuke, and by that, he means sometimes you're going to expose error. That's what reprove means, to expose error, or to to convict, or to point out error, and to bring to light. And sometimes you're going to then rebuke with that word. You're going to warn people. You're going to warn them about the lifestyle of of a sinful person. There's a reproving, there's a rebuking that goes along with that. Sometimes people will come up to me afterwards and they say, you, you, you moved from preaching to meddling. I like that. Because sometimes the Word of God needs to meddle in our life, doesn't it? It needs to rebuke us, it needs to confront us, it needs to convict us, it needs to expose error, it needs to expose false doctrine, it needs to expose sin in our life. And so the role of the preacher with the Word of God in his hand is to do exactly that, to expose error, to reveal sin, to promote holiness, to produce likeness of Christ in them through the proclamation of the Word applied by the Spirit of God. So faithful pastors will do that faithful pastors will preach in a way that sometimes they'll step on your toes. They'll mess up your shoe shine, because that's what the Word of God does. At times, it needs to convict us. At times, it needs to confront us. At times, it needs to rebuke us. That, that's exactly what it's meant to do. And then positively, look at verse 2 again. Preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Parakaleo, urge, come alongside encourage. This is the positive side of the Word of God. Sometimes the Word is, is meant to be a balm to our souls, and it's meant to, to bind up our, our faint-heartedness. It's meant to, to be a way of encouraging us and ministering to us and strengthening us and coming alongside in a way to love and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. And so, the Word of God is meant to do both. It is meant to convict, it is meant to reprove, it is meant to rebuke, and in a positive way, it is meant to comfort, it is meant to minister to, it is meant to encourage. And so these are some of the facets of a public ministry. There, there's proclamation, and there's correction, and there's rebuke, and there's encouragement. Just look back a couple verses. You know these verses very well. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you know that Paul has just stated the power of the word of god to transform lives verse 16 says all scripture is inspired by god and is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness why verse 17 that the man of god may be adequate equipped for every good work imagine for a moment that you're on you're on a road And in order to stay on that road, you need to be told how to stay on that road. And you need to be told that if you get off that road, you're off the road. And if you need to be told... How to get back on the road, and you need to be told to stay on that road, then how to do that. And the word of God is like that. The word of God teaches, which tells us how to stay on the road. It teaches us how to stay in walking in holiness and obedience with the Lord. And then it also reproves us. Look at verse 16. It teaches us, but then it reproves, meaning if we get off the road, if we get into sinful lifestyle, if we get into disobedience, the word of God will reprove us. It will demonstrate the fact that we are off the road of holiness and obedience. And then it tells us how to get back onto that road, verse 16 for correction so it not only says hey you're off the road here you're off into a pattern of whole unholiness and you're in a pattern of disobedience it not only tells us that but it also instructs us how to get back it corrects us and then for training in righteousness it tells us how to stay on that road again this is the power of the word of god it teaches it reproves it corrects it trains in righteousness so that you're thoroughly equipped, adequate, you're built up, you're, you're fully supplied with all of the resources that God wants you to have to enable you to live the Christian life. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness within the pages of Scripture applied by the Spirit of God. And so in a healthy church member, there is an understanding that the Word possesses life. It transforms, it changes, it reproves, it rebukes, it exhorts us And in a healthy church member, they will understand that at times their soul wanders. They tend to drift. They tend to kind of drift away from the things of the Lord, and so there, there's a caution within the heart of every healthy church member that says, I understand that if I get myself away from a steady diet of the Word of God in my flesh, I will easily wander. I will easily drift spiritually, and so a healthy church member will say, I've got to be careful that I don't allow that to happen, so I'm in a place where I constantly am under the influence of the Word of God. It's crucial. I remember when I was teaching pilots in the Air Force about the physiological hazards of flight, one of the things that we would talk about is the danger of visual illusions. And if you're flying in an airplane, the last thing you want are your visual cues that are not right, that are improper, that are giving you false information. So the need for every pilot is to have accurate information communicated through their visual system to fly the plane accurately. So there's visual problems like illusions and other things that can affect them dramatically in an aircraft. And so they have to be cautious to make sure that their eyes are getting a constant refreshment, a steady influx of accurate visual cues that will sustain them and enable them to fly that aircraft. Well, same thing's true for us spiritually. If we don't have a steady diet of revealed truth, if we don't have a steady influx of biblical knowledge, of biblical truth informing in, in our lives and inflaming our hearts, then eventually we can drift spiritually and we can drift to the point where we fall into to sin. And so a healthy church member knows that they need a steady diet. So they're there at church, they're there in their small groups consistent in their participation in the Word of God because they understand that they can't go long without hearing the Word of God. And if they miss a few weeks, they know that it starts to take a toll upon them spiritually. So, a healthy church member will constantly keep themselves under the Word, under the authority of the Word, under the preached Word, under the taught Word, under the proclaimed Word of God, knowing that that's which will keep them safe spiritually. There's a fourth reason. Number four, the fourth reason why healthy church members have an insatiable hunger for the Word of God. It's because today there is a movement away from sound doctrine. There's a movement away from sound doctrine. Verses 3 and 4. Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. This this has to be some of the saddest verses in the Bible because they describe the tendency of the human heart to walk away, to wander away from solid biblical truth. It's one of the greatest indictments upon the fickleness of the human heart. We're living in these days. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, but the days are upon us. We are living in these last days today. We are living in the days that Paul has described here when people will not want to endure sound doctrine, and instead they want their ears tickled. They have itching ear syndrome. They don't want the rich, biblical, sound, theological, profound, deep truths of the Bible taught and explained to them. And Paul says they can't endure that. They can't bear up under it. They can't stand it. They're not able to, to withstand or hear it or listen to it or even tolerate it. They, they're not willing to chew on the meat of the word. And Paul says that day's coming, and friends, it's here. People don't want this. He says instead they want their ears tickled, they have itching ears, they want stuff that feels good, they want stuff that soothes, that pampers, that comforts. They want stuff that's amusing, they want a show, they want an experience, they want the feel good, they want the emotion, they, they want the, the, something that's pleasant. They don't want something that may confront them, that may convict them, that may Show them something in their life that's inconsistent with the Word of God. And what's what's sad about this is this is always the way it's been. This isn't just something in Paul's day. It's not just something in our day. Back in Israel, Jeremiah writes, Jeremiah 5, verses 30 and 31, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in Israel. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule on their own authority and my people... Love it so. It's the way it's always been. Unfortunately, because of that, verse 3 says, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. The result of that is that because people can't stand sound doctrine, and we could give many, many examples of this today, because of that, there's a desire instead then to put in place people who will give them what they want to hear will feed them the fluff, who will feed them the truth that is really not solid, that's really just there to kind of stroke their ears and make them feel good. Just put someone up in the pulpit who will make us feel good about ourselves. Just put someone up in the pulpit who will stroke our egos, put someone up in the pulpit who will give us what we want to hear. And so this is what happens in the church in general over time, is that people tend to insulate themselves from what they consider the offensive truths of the Bible. And instead of that, they'll, they'll want the simpler stuff, the, 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 the unconfrontive stuff. This is the trend. It was a trend in Jeremiah's day. It was a trend in Paul's day. It's the trend in our day that people today prefer listening to light uplifting, happy messages instead of the weighty truths of the Word of God that really sink their teeth deep into the truth of God's Word that will promote their own sanctification. The problem with today's pulpits lies not just with those in the pulpits. The problem with the pulpits in many churches today lies also with the people who have lost an appetite for sound theology. And so it's a joint endeavor. Is it a pastor's problem if he's not preaching the sound theology and the sound doctrine of the Word of God? Absolutely, and he will be accountable for that as well. But it is also the people's responsibility to have as an expectation the fact that their preacher will give them the unadulterated Word of God. It's a joint endeavor, and so if people don't want that, then they're simply going to put themselves in a place where they're going to get what they want. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our country today. Healthy church members won't do that. They guard themselves from itching ears. They keep themselves from being entertained with fluff. They keep themselves from being engaged with just the shallow teaching of the Word of God. They cultivate a hunger. They cultivate a desire for expository listen. They cultivate a desire for discernment. They train themselves to move from the milk to the meat. They study the Word on their own. They feed themselves with solid preaching. They read books that will promote their own growth and maturity and understanding of the Word of God. That's what marks healthy church members. So I wonder, does does that describe you? Are these marks not just true of a preacher who's faithful to the Word, but are these truths as well true for you, for those who listen to that Word preached? Can I give you some practical suggestions? Let me give you some thoughts on what does this look like practically before Sunday, on Sunday, and after Sunday. Very simple. Here's some thoughts. Before Sunday, before you come to church on Sunday... Are you reading the Word on your own throughout the week? Are you reading the Word of God on your own throughout the week? Are are you coming Sunday morning with an appetite for the truth of God's Word? Because if you're not reading the Scriptures on your own throughout the week, you can't come on Sunday mornings and expect your heart to be engaged and really excited and, and moving to listen to the Word of God if you haven't been cultivating an appetite for it all week. Read the Word on your own. Study it. Be in the truth of God's Word throughout the week before you come on Sundays, and you'll find that your heart is more in tune, more ready to listen because you've already been thinking these rich truths about God and His Word. So come ready. Prayer. Not only reading the Word throughout the week, but praying throughout the week. Do you come Sunday morning, before Sunday, praying throughout the week, asking the Lord to make your heart receptive, asking the Lord to make your heart ready, asking the Lord to communicate His truth to you as you study the Word on your own and as you come on Sunday morning. Read the Word, pray throughout the week. How about confessing sin? Confessing sin throughout the week, 1 Peter 2 says, therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. How, how do you come to receive the word of God? How do, you, how do you really truly imbibe in the word of God? It's when you put aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, when you set aside sin in your life, then you can hear the word of the Lord. Sin will quench your appetite for truth. Confess sin, read the Word, pray throughout the week, confess sin, and then also before Sunday, make the ministry of the Word a priority. Make the ministry of the Word a priority. What I mean by that is you make Sundays a priority. You know that when you come to church on Sunday morning, you are going to hear the Word preached, and so you make it a priority to be here. We said last week that Sunday mornings begin Saturday night. What you do on Saturday night affects what you do Sunday mornings. What you do on Saturday night affects whether you come on Sunday mornings. So you make the ministry of the Word a priority. For many people, it's not. So come, make it a priority. You schedule your life around Sunday morning so that you know you're going to be there when when the Word is preached. That's before Sunday. That's, That's during the week. How about during Sunday? How about during the sermon? What are some things you can think about and do I think you ought to think about fighting off distractions, fighting off distractions like how many bricks are on the wall behind me. You've counted. You all have. I know you've counted. Listen, Satan, Satan wants you distracted. He wants you distracted. He doesn't want you here engaged. He doesn't want you listening. He doesn't want your hearts fully embracing the Word of God as it's preached. He wants you distracted. You have to fight that off. You've got to fight with some discipline and some effort to, to fight off those distractions so, so you hear the word preached. So fight those off and then listen with diligence. Listen with diligence, which means you've got to stay awake. Listen, people don't think I can see you sleeping. I can see every one of you. Every single one of you. I'm watching you. I know. You've got to fight that off. You've got to fight that off. You've got to stay attentive. You've got to listen with diligence. You've got to get your heart engaged and follow along and take notes and listen to the Word as his preached so that you're engaged and you can apply the Word of God. How about after Sunday? Before Sunday? During Sunday? What about after Sunday? What about the rest of the week? You want to talk. Talk with people. Talk with people after the sermon. Engage people with the sermon. What did you think of that? What, how, how are you going to apply that this week in your life? What are some things that stood out to you this week or that message? What, what was it about the Word of God preached this morning that really affected your heart? Talk about those things. Think about the sermon. Put it into practice. Ask for the Lord through His Spirit to enable your heart to put into practice the things that you heard. It's a weekly activity. It's a weekly enterprise. It's a day-by-day activity where... You cultivate a hunger for the truth of the scriptures. So, what are healthy church members like? They have a deep love for the bride of Christ, and they have an insatiable appetite for the Word of God. I see these qualities in you. I'm grateful for our church. I'm so, so thankful that you love the church, you love this church and I'm so thankful that you come Sunday after Sunday to hear the Word of God preached. You are a blessing and a joy to preach the Word of God to, and I know you love it, and I know your hearts are hungry for it, and it's a joy and a privilege to be a part of a church like this. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us clear instructions in the Word of God. You've Shown us the priority and the importance of being a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Being a people whose hearts are engaged in expository listening. Being engaged at a level with your word where, Father, it is impacting us, where it is transforming us, where it is renewing our minds, where it is directing our conduct and our behavior and our motives and our emotions. We want to be a people of the book. We pray that you'll continue to make us a church of the book so that we can reflect the glory of the God who has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. So, Father, we pray that you'll help us to practice these things. Help us to be men and women of God who seek you with all of our hearts and allow the transforming power of the Word to impact us on a daily basis. We thank you for these things, and we pray them in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon presented at Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan, where we exist to display God's glory, declare God's truth, delight in God's Son, and disciple God's people. No part of this digital file may be reproduced or distributed without prior written consent. For permission, go to mbcmi.org.